Thank you so much for joining us online. We want Bethany to be a place where people can get connected to God, to each other, and to the world. If you would like someone to talk to or to pray for you, you can email us at prayer at bethanysite.com. We also greatly appreciate everyone that gives so generously at Bethany. If you'd like to give, you can do so by clicking Give in the top right menu on our homepage at bethanysite.com. Again, thank you for joining us online. We hope that this service will be a blessing to you. Hello, Bethany. It's so good to see everyone, and uh, we want to welcome people that are watching online, and so good to have you worship with us. And uh, if you would turn with me to John chapter 13, John chapter 13, and we are uh, moving into John chapter 13, uh, that kind of in the deep part, and today's um, message is about uh, Judas, and I'm calling it Judas' story, and uh, uh, I, I debated whether to call it Judas' story or don't be a Judas, okay? So if you don't know who Judas was, uh, he was the one that betrayed the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I'm going to be uh, talking about it. And uh, I have to tell you, the beginning in the Gospels, um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, to me is the most exciting. It's thrilling. It's exciting. Jesus is so wonderful. And there's so many good things that happen. And then uh, as it uh, gets deeper and deeper into... Um, this this passion week where he gets betrayed and then crucified there's a sadness that kind of stabs at my heart and I, I want you to know that the cross is wonderful because that's where you know grace happens and he died for our sins and there's all these wonderful things from the cross and the resurrection uh, but there's some terrible things that move Jesus towards that and uh, this chapter is kind of the prelude of, uh, of the crucifixion, and there's two sad stories that are in this, and one of them is the story of Judas and the story of Peter. And the story of Judas is the story of a betrayer, and the story of Judas is, you know, the, the top disciple denying Christ three times. And uh, so next week is going to be the story of Peter, and so uh, I want you to know that this is kind of like a bummer. You know, this is a bummer message. So if you want to leave, you know, uplifted and say, wow, that was awesome. This is not that that weekend. So anyway, let me uh, just read to you verses 18 through 30. And uh, I, I think it's a really good story for us. I think it really helps us. It really points that we, we do not want to be betrayers. We do not want to be people that betray. But let me read it to you. Uh, I am not referring to all of you. I know those I have chosen. But this is to fulfill this passage of scripture. He who shared my bread has turned against me. And I'm telling you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am who I am. And very truly, I tell you, whoever accepts anyone I send accepts me. And whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me. And after he said this, Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified. Very truly, I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. His disciples stared at one another at a loss to know which of them he meant. One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. And Simon Peter motioned to this disciple and said, ask him which one he means. So leaning back against Jesus, he asked him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, it is the one whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it into the dish. And then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas the son of Simon Iscariot. 
And as soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. So Jesus told him, what you are about to do, do quickly. But no one at the meal understood why Jesus said this to him. Since Judas had charge of the money, some thought Jesus was telling him to buy what was needed for the festival or give something to the poor. And as soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out and it was night. Now, let me just start off by giving you a thumbnail sketch of Judas and just tell you his story. Just very basic. We don't have a whole lot about him. We know that he was one of the uh, disciples and that he received the call to be a disciple, uh, an apostle, just like the other ones. Uh, in Matthew 10, verses 2 through 4, it says, These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, there was Simon, who was also called Peter, his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the collector, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, and Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. You'll see this, who betrayed him. You'll see the betrayer a lot in the, in the scriptures that we look at. Uh, the word betray is the idea of betrayed, is the idea of handing someone over, turning someone over, and uh, it's really the idea of, of being a treacherous traitor. Uh, Judas was also the treasurer, uh, but one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why, why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. And probably the prime motive for Judas for betraying the Lord Jesus Christ is that he was a thief and he uh, was stealing money and he, he betrays the Lord Jesus Christ for, for silver. Uh, Judas also uh, had his treachery for, foretold by Jesus. John six seventy. Then Jesus replied, Have I not chosen you, the twelve, yet one of you is a devil? And he meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, who, though one of the twelve, was later to betray him. There it is again. And then uh, the treachery gets even worse when he does betray him. Uh, it is so treacherous, he does it with a kiss. Judas betrays Jesus with a kiss. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him and lead him away under guard. And going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Rabbi, and kissed him, Mark 14. I don't know if that kind of treachery can get any worse. I mean, this is the Lord Jesus Christ who's so wonderful, so marvelous. Judas had watched him uh, perform miracles. Judas had gone out on mission with the other disciples and cast out demons and done miracles just like the other disciples. I mean, this is just terrible treachery. And then in the end, uh, there's Judas' remorse and death. When Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned, he was seized with remorse and return the 30 silver coins to the chief priests and elders. I have sinned, he said, for I betrayed innocent blood. What is that to us, they replied. That's your responsibility. So Judas threw the money into the temple and left. Then he went away and hanged himself. It's interesting, you know, that he has remorse, but he doesn't, he doesn't have repentance. Where Peter, when he denies, he goes out into the night and cries, and uh, there's reconciliation and there's repentance on Peter's part. But Judas, there's no repentance, and he goes out and hangs himself. So, by the way, when you, I read those titles, uh, you can follow me in the app, the sermon app that we have. Number two, Jesus uh, predicts his betrayal. So now I'm going to be looking at the scripture that we've come to, and this is taking place in the 
in the upper room. This is the, uh, the Thursday night. Um, it's just before the crucifixion. Uh, Jesus is with his disciples. He does lots of teaching. We're going to see that in chapters 14, 15, 16, and 17. Um, but here uh, we have the story of what Judas does at the, at the, at the table uh, during um, uh, the upper room when they're together. Jesus has been referring to his uh, disciples and has uh, started talking about this betrayer. And he says, I'm not referring to all of you. I know those I have chosen, but this is to fulfill the passage of Scripture that he who shared my bread has turned against me. And that's Psalms 41.9. Even my close friend, someone trusted, one who shared my bread has turned against me. And the most treacherous betrayal happens usually by someone that's close to you. If you've ever been betrayed, most likely someone close to you has betrayed you. And, and Judas was in the in group. He was one of the 12. And notice it says, I'm telling you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am who I am. Jesus is saying, this is going to help you believe in me even more because you'll think back and realize. And then he says this verse, verse 20, very truly I tell you, whoever accepts anyone I send accepts me. Whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me, which is the Father. And after he said this, Jesus said that uh, his, his uh, spirit was troubled. And he says, very truly, I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. And I always imagine at this table, probably U-shaped, and Jesus is sitting there. John is to his right. Judas is on his left, close to him. Probably Peter is right across. Uh, these tables were low on the floor. They lean on their left hand. They eat with their right um, I, I think that it was probably a solemn moment when Jesus said, one of you is going to betray me. I think it was one of those ones where everyone just stops for a second. And they began to look around. And uh, it said the disciples just stared at one another at a loss to know which of them he meant. And one of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. Whenever that says that the one that Jesus loved, it is John, the writer, who is referring to himself. And he was probably the youngest. He was probably the youngest disciple. He could have been a young man. He could have been 18 or 19 or in his early 20s. Um, you know, he just considered himself, you know, super loved, you know, by Jesus. And I imagine that every one of those disciples felt that they were super loved by Jesus, except for maybe Judas. Uh, there is just something so wonderful about the Savior. So this is you know, John doing this. But we also know from Matthew 26 in the same story, uh, the disciples' feelings were they were very sad. And Matthew 26 says, uh, when Jesus said, truly, one of you are going to betray me, they were very sad and began to say to Jesus, surely you don't mean me, Lord. Surely it's not me. You know, every one of them was kind of thinking, oh, who, who could it be? And then uh, Simon Peter, uh, we're back in um, uh, John chapter 13. Simon Peter motioned to his disciples and said, ask him which one he means. And so John leaning back against Jesus. So here's this young disciple. He leans up against the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, probably in a whisper, Lord, who is it? Who's the betrayer? And Jesus answered, is the one that I will give a piece of bread after I've dipped it in the dish. And he takes the bread. He dips it in the dish. Hopefully it was hummus. I don't know what it was. Dips in it and hands it to Judas. 
It's the most horrible scene because you never betray someone that you're eating with. Eating was fellowship back then. Eating was friendship. Eating was together was familia, was family. And this is just like the most treacherous thing. And then number four, Satan enters Judas. This is one of the most horrific verses in the Bible. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered Judas. It entered him. So now he's energized by the evil one. And this is taking place in the upper room where Jesus is. And and it is the most horrible, horrible thing. And Jesus knows this. He knows what's going to happen. And he tells them, what you're about to do, do quickly. And really he's saying, do it now. Do it tonight. Get it done. And it is just amazing. Just a... My opinion, uh, this has nothing really to do with the sermon, but I just throw out my opinion. I, I think that uh, many times Christians are fearful of demon possession and Satan possessing them. I don't think Satan uh, possesses too many people too often. I think uh, it's a rare cases that he does that, but we know it was here, and we know that there's demon possession. And if you're a Christian, you don't have to worry uh, about being demon-possessed. I think there can be demon obsession. There can be one where you're oppressed by it. But I don't think that you have to worry about being possessed by that. But every so often when someone in our culture goes crazy and does some kind of like mass murder, just horrible, horrific things, and then they just have all this energy, and I think the demons can energize them, and then they do terrible things. And then when they many times will arrest them, they're like docile and they just kind of give up and they put them in the police car and then the neighbors all have these interviews well he was a really nice kid or he was a really nice neighbor he was I don't know what got into him you know many times I wonder was that the evil one was that demons that you know doesn't make them do it but energizes them and Judas is energized so much so that he betrays the Lord Jesus Christ with a kiss. What treachery this is. Number five, and this is the lesson for tonight. Don't be a Judas. Don't be a Judas. Um, Judas is the betrayer. Jesus called him a devil, one doomed to destruction, the son of perdition, and a betray or betrayal uh, is the idea of to deliver over It's the idea to hand over someone. It is the action of betraying someone by treachery or disloyalty. It's to betray a friend or to betray a trust. The other thing about don't be a Judas is that in our culture, uh, most of the time, um, relational betrayal is the betrayal. That we have a tendency in our culture to to relationally betray people. And uh, uh, I'm going to give you a definition for it. Uh, Relational betrayal is the breaking or violation of a contract, a trust, a confidence that produces a moral or psychological conflict with a relationship. And the example of that is to cheat on your spouse or to betray your country or to betray a confidence of a friend or to cheat a business partner. I had an uncle that was in business uh, years ago, and his partner cheated him just 
unbelievable. And my uncle had really helped this guy and built up his business, and this guy cheated him and then handed over the business to his son. And my uncle was devastated. And I remember as a young boy listening to my uncle. I don't think they knew I was listening, but I had big ears when I was a kid. And I was listening to it. I loved adult conversation. And I listened to my uncle tell my dad what had happened, the whole story. And I, as a young kid, got a stomach ache hearing how terrible betrayal is. If you've ever been betrayed, I mean, it is the most horrible, horrible thing. And there's names for it. Uh, a betrayal, you know, it can be called a betrayal or a traitor or a double crosser, a double dealer, a two-timer, a cheat, a Judas, a player, a backstabber. You know, those are pretty horrible names, right? And then there's uh, the, the opposite of that, antonyms of, of those names, is the idea of loyalty and faithfulness and to be faithful and fidelity and uh, uh, allegiance. And there's something so wonderful about that, but our culture is filled with stories of betrayal. And in the movies and television shows, much of it is the betrayal of one person over another. And much of it has to do with cheating on your spouse and, and ripping people off and just doing terrible things. And our culture glorifies it. And they give all kinds of excuses. And as a pastor, i got to tell you, I have people come into my office over the years and tell me horrible stories about how they've been cheated on and betrayed and all kinds of things that happen. You guys aren't laughing very much. It's really quiet in here. This is not, I told you it was a bummer, it was a bummer message, isn't it? So uh, what are the effects if you get betrayed? What are the effects of betrayal? And uh, it's sort of like um, the same things when you go through grief. The first thing is shock. There's a shock that happens. There's loss and grief. Many times there's anger. There's rage. There's there's a, a morbid preoccupation. You just keep playing it over and over in your head. You can't stop thinking about it. Many times there's damaged self-esteem. There's a damaged uh, part of you that, that really begins to doubt yourself. It often produces life-changing, altering things in our lives. And what does it feel like emotionally? I think one of the best expressions is it stings. Betrayal is one of those things that it just stings. Uh, it's like a stab in the back. Uh, when I was growing up, we had this wonderful pastor, and my dad was a, an associate pastor, and he served uh, Pastor Wells for, for 10 years on his staff. And Pastor Wells, you know, if you're in the ministry, you get stabbed in the back. And he just said, you know, when you get stabbed in the back, you just reach back there and you pull it out and you just keep going because we're on mission for Christ. You just pull it out and you keep going. But many times people are so wounded that it's hard to do that. It also feels like uh, the wind has been knocked out of you. Your air has been taken from you. And it also is the idea all of a sudden that life becomes surreal. I mean, you're almost like you, it goes like slow motion and you're outside of yourself. And many times it feels like your world is turned upside down because someone close to you has betrayed you. And now they're no longer close to you. And many times it's sudden and dramatic and horrid. So what are the signs of long-term betrayal? 
You know, many times people come into my office and they're some suffering from long-term betrayal and it's very similar. They have intrusive thoughts and images. Many times they have nightmares and flashbacks. Uh, they begin to develop avoidance behavior, especially in the area of trusting people. Uh, they have a hypervigilance and they're always scanning their environment for potential threats. There's an irritability sometimes and anger and angry outbursts. There's insomnia. And there's this other thing like brain fog, you know, when it's, it's happening, they have brain fog for a long time. They have fearfulness in their life, many times social withdrawal and distrust, especially in relationships. They have a really hard time ever to have trust again. Experiencing betrayal is a form of emotional abuse and can cause post-traumatic stress disorder. I mean, it is horrible. And if you ask the question, why? Because it's so terrible. Why do people commit relationship betrayal? Why do they do it? So here's the answer. You don't have to write these down because you already know them. Excessive ambition, greed. That was Judas. He was totally greedy for money. Uh, and maybe he was trying to hide, you know, all the money he'd been stealing out of the bag. Or maybe people of Hollywood has tried to give a whole bunch of reasons, but probably just greed lust many times for people, passion, many times with people with addictions, you know, they will steal from their relatives and, you know, try and care more about the addiction than they do about uh, the people that love them. Selfishness, many times we can just say the base cause is selfishness. Uh, sometimes we could call it uh, someone who's totally self-absorbed and has the lack of empathy. Uh, we could just count it down as sin and the sin nature. Uh, sometimes I think we could say it is satanic and demonic and this is again this is just my opinion I'll step down and give my opinion but I think that when people commit betrayal even Christians who betray someone I think the demons dine because it reminds them of their their leader Satan who did that to Christ through Judas that they dine did I tell you something? Don't be a Judas. Amen? Amen? Don't be a Judas no matter what. Don't be a Judas. The lesson tonight is don't be a Judas. Jesus suffered betrayal. 1 Peter 2.21 uh, is the most interesting verse because it basically says Jesus suffered you're my followers, you're going to suffer. Let me read it to you. But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his footsteps. So if you're a Christian and you really are a true Christian and you're following Christ, then most likely sometime in your life you're going to be betrayed if you haven't already. You're going to experience it, and that is one of the signs that you really are a Christ follower is because you've been betrayed. And one of the things to do if you get stabbed in the back is what? Reach back there and pull it out. Just keep going. Follow Christ. And they say, well, that's too simple. That's too simple, George. You can't say something like that. Well, that's the best advice I can give you, except one thing that's real scriptural, okay? You're following Christ if you get betrayed, 
And then uh, Matthew 5 says, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way you were persecuted, the prophets who were before you were persecuted. And so there's this wonderful thing that, you know, part of being persecuted is to be betrayed. Even if it's a loved one that betrays you. And I, I could tell you countless stories of people that have been betrayed, churches that have been betrayed, you know, marriages that have been betrayed. Horrible stories, horrible stories. And one of the things is that you should consider yourself blessed if you are a Christian and you get betrayed. And that's part of the persecution. And you should use it to grow in Christ. So what's the antidote if you have really badly betrayed and you hurt so bad you can't hardly even think, you can hardly even breathe, what's the antidote? Like you've been bitten by a snake, what's the antidote? And that's Matthew 6. In the Lord's Prayer, part of the prayer says, Forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. And so if you've been betrayed terribly, one of the places that you will eventually get to, I'm not saying it will happen fast, and depends on how close they were to you and how badly they betrayed you, but at some point in your life so that you're not carrying that around with you, you need to forgive them in Jesus' name. Just as he's forgiven you, he's forgiven us. And this week, I've got to tell you, uh, I was convicted, you know, I, I, I'm a, a wor- I come from a world-class family of grudge holders. I mean, we have family that were able to hold grudges to the grave. 35, 40 years, I've been holding on to this grudge for 40 years, you know. And I, I know I have that in me, that DNA in me. And one of the things that I can hold on to a grudge. So this week, I've just gone through all the time I've been betrayed. And in the ministry, you get betrayed. And so every time I got betrayed, you know, there's a little bit, oh, yeah, I know that person. I know, you know. And I could even spiritualize it because I know a lot of her. You know, I could really make it, you know, my case and I could plead it to God, you know, and then pray the imprecatory story, break their arms, knock out their teeth, get them, God, blow them down the road, you know, and many times you're praying against another Christian, you know, and it, and you, and it feels good at some point, but at some point to follow Christ, you forgive them. So this week I spent every day in my prayer time remembering those names. And said, Jesus, if I haven't really forgiven them, I forgive them from the heart in Jesus' name. And I just named each person and I forgave them. And you may be at that point where you can forgive. But some of you have walked in here and maybe you can't. Not yet. But at some point, you start handing them to Jesus. And say, Jesus, I I can't do it in my own flesh. But in your name, in your power, in the power of the cross... I forgive them. And even if you in your heart don't really, you just keep saying, I forgive you. I forgive you. I forgive you. If you see him, I forgive you. (laughs) I forgive you in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Now, we're human. And some of the stuff that I'm showing you is very human. But we forgive them. We forgive them. We forgive them. Because we don't want to carry it. We want to pull the knife out of our back. And we want to get on with our lives and get on with the mission of Christ. And then the last thing is really painful. If you 
have ever betrayed someone and you're still carrying that that's when you ask the Lord Jesus to forgive you and if it won't cause damage you circle back around to that person and face to face if you can you ask for forgiveness Easter's coming I love Easter I don't know if you love Easter but I love Easter it's the It's a way better story than than what I'm talking about right now. This is a bummer message, but Easter, Easter, oh my goodness, Easter. You know, we're going to build two bridges, and we know that Jesus is the bridge. You know, Jesus says, he who believes in me has crossed over from death to life. And you hear that word crossed over, that's a bridge, and Jesus is the bridge. And he provides not only salvation, but reconciliation. And if you're carrying this thing, I challenge you to be thinking about crossing the bridge, crossing the bridge, and then being reconciled to whoever you're not reconciled with. If you've been wounded, you forgive them. And some of you may need to stop on that bridge when you cross it. I'm going to give an invitation at Easter. You stop at that bridge and you ask Jesus to give you the strength to forgive someone. And some of you who've betrayed other people in your past... You ask that he gives you strength to call them up or to meet with them for coffee and ask for forgiveness very humbly. Amen? Hey, stand with me and let me pray. Even over a bummer of a message. But the lesson is, don't be a Judas. Lord Jesus, we love you so much. We thank you that you would suffer for us Uh, the pangs and arrows of even betrayal, Lord. Uh, How painful, how painful what you went through for us and then the cross and then all the things that went with that. We just thank you for doing that. Bless each person here. Shine your face on us. Help us to be able to give our hearts to you. Father God, grab a hold of people that need to forgive other people. Begin a work in us where we don't, just have a partial forgiveness but we can give it to you we can put it under the blood in your in in the work that you did on your cross and we also pray that we would have the strength that we would ask people that we've sinned against to forgive us oh jesus please start an awakening in our hearts in jesus name amen